After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal! Okay, fellas, we are set to go. Let's go! We are kicking. Watch the blue! Yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah, baby. Number 47 for Boston. Both guys, five minutes each for fighting! Please move it! Please move it! Please move it! Please move it! A new month is about to begin, and I don't know if we want to call it a new season. It's the resumption of the season after the NHL pushed pause, Josh, but it feels like it's a new season that's starting with the National Hockey League. Uh, it's crazy. It's uh, Hockey's back. It doesn't feel like the start of the season. It doesn't quite feel like the start of the playoffs, but it's the start of hockey, and, and, and that's enough, and we've got games, and pretty soon we'll have games that mean something, which is awesome. I'm very excited. I don't know about you, but I've been trying to clear as much of my schedule as possible. <laughs> it's the, what time does hockey start? Noon, Eastern, every day. And what, two, three games? Yes, in each city, which means it's going to go for about 12 hours. And I'm on board with that. I am so excited. You know, I've, I've always been a... a big fan of of playoff hockey but i've never really liked the weekend afternoon games in the summer the weather's nice you want to be outside doing things and the the last thing you want to be doing is sitting in the house watching hockey i take that all back (laughs) that's the thing i want to be doing the most this weekend (laughs) you are on board you can always put a screen outside too this is the scouting the rest podcast powered by team stripes check them out online go teamstripes.com they've got all the information for training all your officiating equipment apparel and much more go teamstripes.com is where you find them he's josh i'm todd as mentioned the scouting the rest podcast You can follow Josh on Twitter and Instagram at ScoutingTheRefs on both Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram as well at Todd Lewis Sports. And of course, we look forward to your questions, and I sense there will be some in the weeks ahead. You can email them as well, heyref at ScoutingTheRefs.com. So for the first time in four months, I will ask this question. How are you enjoying the hockey? I am enjoying the fact that there is hockey, but even more important than that, I really am enjoying the hockey. It's been some great exhibition hockey. These these teams are fired up. They're trying to make a statement in their one game before the playoff qualifiers, and the rivalries added a little more excitement to it as well, You know, seeing that, that these teams go head-to-head. I, I think it was great and probably the most exciting exhibition games I can ever recall. Exhibition, not preseason, because we are kind of in the middle of the season, but they don't really count. In in a couple of days, though, they will be counting and for something very important. On this edition, we'll talk about a few rule refreshers that will get your attention that have already taken place. The Situation Room has already been employed. We'll talk about procedures and protocol and a few other things. You mentioned, Josh, that the the hockey has been pretty good, and I would agree with you. These aren't exhibition, preseason, whatever you want to call it, kind of games where you have a half a dozen guys who are going to be on the opening night roster and the rest will be dispersed afterwards. This is the lineup we're going to see going forward. Yeah, I, I think it's you know it's great to see that it's it's nice to see players shake the rust off. It's it's like you said, Todd. It's it's more of a tune up than it is uh, figuring out who your lineup is. And I know a lot of the coaches have just rolled over 
where they left off in March with the, the same lineups, the same line combinations that they had. And they're just just trying to get things ready and, and get things moving. So maybe that contributes to why it's been so good. And, and hopefully these teams are able to pick up where they left off. And same goes for the officials. The league and the teams have gone to extraordinary efforts to try to make this as smooth a process as possible because everybody's in lockdown in the bubbles in either Toronto or Edmonton for the time being. The teams and league have gone to some great lengths to make some homey touches. Players have pictures and they they have a floor that's assigned to them and it has their, their team colors and logo. Some of the teams have put together cheers from fans. I don't know if all of these same things are applicable to officials or whatever. Some homey touches would be nice, but I don't think there's going to be too many cheers recorded for the refs. No, from from what I understand, the elevator operators and, and most of the restaurant servers are uh, are booing the officials when they make their selections. <laughs> so uh, feeling like home. They're Good. trying to trying to make them more comfortable there. You know, I'll take the steak. Bad call, ref. Boo. <laughs> Should have gone with the pasta right, tonight. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but you you mentioned that things have have really picked up in terms of where we left off in the middle of March but the procedures and protocol being used are very similar by the National Hockey League right now if you watch a game the only quick immediate difference that you'll notice are off-ice officials who are wearing face masks and of course there's no fans in the building. Right, right. And I think, you know, the the lack of fans is certainly something you want to get used to. It it changes the atmosphere, it changes the volume, it changes what you can hear and even between what the mics pick up at home and, and what the players and officials hear on the ice. So I think that's something to take a little time to get used to for everybody. But as far as the rest of it, you know, outside of the masks, masks for the off-ice officials that is, it's it's really business as usual out there. And that's nice to see. I think that's going to provide a comfort level for both the officials and the players and the coaches and everything as well, that you can just, okay, everything's just as we recall it was previously. We can just focus on what it is that we we have to do. And I'll, I'll cite an example as well. In the, in the game between the, the Isles and the Rangers, well, we, we had a fight because Brendan Lemieux and Johnny Boychuk were throwing down and... This looked like a regular fight that you would see in a National Hockey League game. And we had the the linesman, Devin Berg, and Steve Barton just break things up as usual. You you never would have known that this was a post-COVID game, if you will. Absolutely. And from what Stephen Walkham said last week, there's really no change to how the officials are calling the game or managing the game. You know, there's no additional restrictions or requirements to the linesmen to jump in and break up fights before they happen or to keep players separated or even to prevent scrums after the whistle. And, and I think that's all a testament to the hard work that the NHL has done with these bubbles and ensuring that the players and the officials and everyone, especially those level one individuals who are on the ice or involved in the gameplay, are all protected and and that they can have that comfort level of saying we can keep it the same out here we can still have fights we can still body check in the corners we don't have to worry about that when we're out on the ice so i I think that really just shows how confident the nhl is in their plan and in the security of their bubbles it's it's really nice to see a question that did occur to me though with no fans in the building and the way they have covered up the seats to try to dress the whole building up as a as a set if you will Goaltenders often talk about having to get used to the puck and angles when they're playing in an outdoor game or a building that's unfamiliar to them. Would a similar set of circumstances be the case here? And for for referees and linesmen, especially watching pucks going out of play. You know, if anything, Todd, I think it might be easier. You don't have that 
that visual breakup, at least in the lower level, where you've got those solid panels of, of tarp covering the, the seats. So you don't have right. spots of light and dark and, and spots of varied colors and contrast and things like that. It may actually be easier to track the puck when it's you know that, that difficult spot between the glass and, and looking up all the way to the roof there. So uh, in some aspects, it might be easier to track the puck, at least when it's at, at those certain heights. But uh, definitely something that's uh, probably not too hard to adjust to. I, I think you know they might find it a little bit easier. And for the officials watching those pucks go out of play, I think you'll have a much better sight line at the top, say, one to two feet of the glass to see whether the puck looked like it deflected or not. Good. Well, if if it makes the job easier, then then even better. We will get to a couple of rule and implementation questions in a second. You alluded to the sound and whistles. We'll talk about that as well as penalty announcements and a few other things as well. It's the Scouting the Rest podcast powered by Team Stripes. Check them out online. GoTeamStripes.com to get all of your officiating apparel and equipment and much more. So... Before we even started, everybody went in. The, the linesmen and referees are going through the, the same kind of pro- protocol. They have all passed their COVID-19 test. Everyone has proven negative. And again, that seems to be another one of the areas of the, the comfort level that everybody is, is finding in terms of being able to, to move forward. I did notice one thing that is different, and maybe it was just a set of circumstances on a particular play that I wanted to ask about as well. In the Vancouver and Winnipeg game, on a power play, the play shifted to one side of the ice in that all the players were pretty much on one side of the ice. And referee Brad Meyer was working below the goal line. One referee is out in the neutral zone and the other is is below the goal line. As the play shifted over to one side of the ice, he is on the opposite side and he steps out and he was positioned ahead of the goal line watching the play and the net in front of him. I didn't know if this was something new or that you had seen previously, but I, I thought good for him for being proactive to get the, the best possible angle and take advantage of all the ice there. Good watching there, Todd. That's that is hey. absolutely a move that you want to see a veteran official make. They make their money at the net. That's where you want to be. That's what you need to see. And it's your responsibility to give yourself the best sight lines to make the right call. So in that particular situation, that was going to give him the best view of what was going on. It was going to keep him out of the play and not interfering with the players or the puck. So in those circumstances, sometimes you, you do want to shift your positioning and, and maybe it looks a little uh, unconventional for where they come out to. But you need to see if the play shifted from the blue line side back towards his on the ice, he'd retreat below the goal line and position back around the other side. So that was a situation where it was great situational awareness by Brad Meyer to figure out that this is where I can be. This is where I will have the best sight lines to make any calls if I need to. And he still gave himself that way out to get back behind the net if necessary, depending on where the puck went. That was, it was really cool to see and good for, for Brad Meyer for doing that. Just, just, this is kind of the kind of thing that we talk about in terms of if you have the opportunity, especially to be in the building. And obviously that's not happening right now, but you see officials and, and how hard they work in terms of positioning. It doesn't always get picked up on camera, but it did in this case. And maybe cross your fingers. This is something we'll see more of with the added cameras for these games. Absolutely. You know, it's it's great that 
I don't want to say it's great that there's a lack of fans there, but by (laughs) by having all that available space, it's really cool to see what the NHL is able to do and what they're trying out. And, you know, some things may work great. Some things may work better than others. But just to have those different angles and to see those different parts of the games, it, it, it does try to capture that feeling of when you're there and you can really take everything in. The additional camera angles just give you more opportunities to do that, including where the officials end up. Okay, let's get to a couple of things that have occurred in games already. We'll talk about the Flames and Oilers games. That's that's nice to have the Battle of Alberta as your tune-up game heading into this, don't you think? That's uh, that's, that's, that's pretty good. That's good. That jacks it up pretty quick. Yep, between Flames, Oilers, uh, Rangers, Islanders, yeah, those those rivalry games are a lot of fun. Yeah, it was pretty cool. In this game, in the early going, uh, Zach Cassian is being Zach Cassian and rocks Eric's, Eric Gustafson with a check and his bucket pops off. Well, I don't know if he forgot about the rule or just didn't get <laughs> off the ice quick enough, but he got dinged for playing without a helmet. He did. He did. It was a new rule change uh, at the start of the 1920 season that players are no longer permitted to play without a helmet. They either have to pick the bucket back up and put it back on, or they have to go directly to the bench. Gustafson did neither. He back-checked like a good boy. He was playing defense, and Kelly Sutherland was right there to raise the arm, blow the whistle, and I, you know, I think it took a moment and a little explanation before everybody understood what exactly happened on the play. A little reminder, I guess, yes. And the, the other part, too, with this, this is not something that as soon as a helmet comes off and before it hits the ice, the whistle is going to blow and a player is going to be penalized for it. The referees are going to give you a reasonable amount of time to collect yourself and make a decision, whether you're leaving the ice or reinstalling the headgear. That's absolutely correct. And, and I know a reasonable amount of time leaves some gray area there, but we've seen that call come up in the past where the officials are reminding the players, you know, get to the bench, get to the bench, or pick up your helmet. They're, they're trying to work with these guys. They don't want to blow yeah. the whistle and stop play. But certainly, if a guy re-enters the play or, or tries to make a play for the puck, they're going to have to blow the whistle. And if you watch this play, it's interesting to see that Sutherland gave him a little bit of room. He was back skating, but he was in front of the bench. And once he came into the defensive zone past the bench, that's when he blew the whistle. So I even see that as, you know, maybe he was going to let him back check a little bit, but then go off for the change. Right. Gustafson stuck with the play, and and that's why the call had to be made. And there you go. The right call was made. Okay, something else that we have seen a couple of times, if I recall, this year, but it happened again already in the exhibition game between the Carolina Hurricanes and the Washington Capitals. The net is not on its pegs, but the goal by Vincent Trocek is allowed to count. And there are a few sets of circumstances where this is allowed to stand. Can you enlighten us a little, please? Sure, yeah. The net doesn't necessarily have to be on the moorings for it to be a good goal. You know, some folks think that just because the net's off, it automatically disallows the goal. And there are definitely occasions when that is true. You could look at situations when the puck wouldn't have gone in if the net were there or if it happened well after the fact. So, in any situation under Rule 63-6, when the net is displaced by a defending player, they can award a goal if the goalpost was displaced by the defending player, the attacking player had an imminent scoring opportunity, and the puck would have entered the net between the normal position of the goalposts. So you're looking and making that judgment call of, was it between the posts? Was it you know under the four feet? And obviously a, a displaced net shouldn't move vertically very much, but but that's the assessment that the, the officials have to make and that the situation room then is taking advantage of multiple video, video angles to try to make that determination. 
And it's, it's, you're right. It's got to fall within the specific criteria. And this was the right call because it was, uh, it was the right case in that it was the Washington player that caused the action to dislodge the net. Thus the goal counts. Right. This one was pretty clear cut, but in, in some situations, it almost gets into that goaltender interference ambiguity where who was the guy who pushed off the net and did an attacking player cause him to collide with the net, which caused the net to come off. And that's a different flavor and variation where you, you might have to look at this differently. But that was entirely Nick Dowd skating back, crashing into the net and, and knocking it off momentarily before the puck crossed the line. A couple of more topics that we want to get into, and these next two involve sound. Let's talk about the sound of the whistles that are being used, the Fox 40s that are being used. And I, 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 unless we had known that the league had changed whistles prior to this resumption of play, I don't, I don't think most people would have even noticed that the switch had been made. I agree. I, I don't think it's obvious to most, but there are certainly some fans out there who'd reached out and, and were asking, is something different with the whistles? Is it the audio? Is it the microphones? They detected that there was a change in whether pitch or volume. So we did get some questions about that. There are a few folks out there who have noticed that the NHL referees have moved to the Fox 40 call. It's a P-less whistle. It has a, a little bit of a different frequency, close to the regular NHL ones, but not exactly the same. So something I think that the league wouldn't expect many people to pick up on although we've, we've certainly come across some who have mm-hmm. it's and i guess good for you for for noticing but it's it's done for all the right reasons as well for for safety reliability and that's that's why the the peeless whistles were invented by ron foxcroft is because he had one with a p that jammed during an important game right and the league has used these before in outdoor games to avoid specifically that or the the p freezing up but it's mm-hmm. also a little more hygienic not having the p and uh Stephen walcom spoke about them last week and mentioned that it it requires less air velocity as well. So you don't have to blow quite as hard to get the same type of sound out of it. And that's that's why the league's really looking at these. I know it's a, it's a minor change, but something that if it's a, a small incremental fix and something they want to try out, they're, they're giving it a shot. All right. So here is the other issue to deal with in terms of sound. And there was a slight change that has been made in terms of how the procedure works for referees making the announcement of penalties. And for some reason, only the National Hockey League has as much difficulty with refs making announcements <laughs> as they as they do because the mic packs never used to work. So now they put a fixed mic in place. Yet some of the calls sound like this. And there's going to be another penalty called here. And Minnesota will get a four on three power play. Slashing the call. And the reason for that is some sort of highfalutin technical stuff that's meant to keep the bad words off the air, correct? In not-so-technical terms, yes, that's exactly exactly (laughs) what it is, Todd. It it looks like the NHL, in an attempt to try to censor any harsh language that may come across, is doing some backwards masking of the audio that's coming in at ice level. So they're trying to avoid the chirps or, or the other comments or even disputed calls that might come from the players. Those types of things are what they're trying to filter out. And they're using this technology, which takes the snippets of the audio, plays them backwards and keeps them in the same audio feed. It makes some weird effects. I've heard some skating effects and some some shot effects where you, you almost hear a whoosh before the puck gets hit that, that have come as a result of this. 
but the officials announcements are the the unintended consequence there where you end up with what sounded like that and you can't understand what the officials saying obviously those in the building can but those of us at home which is all of us yes have no idea what the call was and uh, hopefully it's something the league can fix because i'm sure this is breaking west macaulay's heart <laughs> and ours not being able to hear right. it properly don't you think absolutely you know it's 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 one of those moments that at least i always look forward to you know you want to hear what the call is give the the officials a chance to get on the mic and, and talk and now even when they do i was i was holding my breath to see if it was even going to be in uh, intelligible english or not Wow, boy, oh boy! Uh, this I, again, this seems like an an overcomplication of a of of the issue. I mean, there are there are four letter words that are spoken in anger in every sport, yet it doesn't seem to be an issue that we have to go to such great lengths to filter them out for football or or other things. But it really seems as though they're they're going the extra mile, if you will, unnecessarily in the NHL. Yeah, I, I agree, Todd. I think it was a bit much. I think the, the crowd noise that they've been sneaking in there helps to cover up some of the yeah. audio that we hear. And that crowd noise comes from EA Sports, who use it in their games. So uh, they're using a, an audio library there that seems to be pretty realistic to the point where you, you might not even notice that there wasn't a crowd there if you weren't paying attention. But I, I think it's a bit heavy handed when your solution is totally destroying the official's ability to explain a call and, you know, help us if there's a goal review or a coach's challenge that we can't understand what the outcome is because it's just going to make it a little more complicated and, and a little more difficult than it needs to be. We have not had a coach's challenge as of this recording, but I expect there will be one in the future. Josh has done a nice breakdown on the scoutingtherefs.com website of the coach's challenges for this year. And it, it's very in-depth. And whatever type of information you're looking for, I, I must commend you. You did some nice work there. Thank you, sir. It's fun to look at that and see what team's success rate is and what their coaches, and especially the video staff, because each team has their designated video review staff that's watching for these types of plays and figuring out what to challenge. And when you see a team that's gone four for four on offside challenges like the Canadians have, you have to commend their video team for spotting mm -hmm. those opportunities and, and taking advantage to wipe those four goals off the board. Good for them. Well done. A uh, couple of other quickies before we go. I noticed also on social media, former goaltender Mike McKenna was was showing some love and suggesting that a former NHL referee be part of the announcer team to cover the National Hockey League. There's another one that we've been able to convert and bring over to our side. <laughs> yeah, smart guy, that Mike McKenna. Big, uh, <laughs> big fan of his, and I'm a big fan of the support he's often shown towards officials. But he's he's dead on there, as, as we've been saying for, for quite some time, that having an official's voice, whether it's during the game, whether it's just during the intermissions, like Kerry Frazier yep. has been in years past on TSN, just to have someone be able to break a call down or explain it. And not to point out flaws or errors, but really to give that background, explain the rule a little bit and, and why the call went the way it did. I think that would be a huge win, not only for the broadcast, but for the officials to have somebody who can kind of shed some light on, on what went into the calls of the game. If it promotes a greater understanding of the game through rules knowledge, I think it would be a benefit to everyone. As you said, it's not meant to point a finger and say, oh, you missed a call or or something like that. It is meant to help inform and educate. And that's I think with that approach is good. We're not, we don't do things the, the way we used to. 
50 years ago or even more in the NHL for, for some, well, I guess some things we do, but, <laughs> but, but things have, have kind of evolved. I mean, look, we're, we're using different whistles now. They, that has changed and evolved over the years. Oh yeah. You, you don't want to go back to, to before the whistle became popularized by Fred Waghorn. You want to go back to the old days when they used to use a cowbell and we can bring that back, Todd. We can bring I would back be the cowbell. okay with that. You know, <laughs> I would really be okay with here. Here's the thing. When we we have an outdoor game and the teams are in retro unis and the coaches are in retro outfits, period outfits, we could have the referees do that wearing sweaters or whatever, and they could use a cowbell instead of a whistle. I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. Oh, man, that, that would be fun. I'd just go for some more authentic <laughs> feel out there. Change things up a little bit. I am all Christopher Walken on this. I got to <laughs> yes. have more cowbell. <laughs> Uh, let's make that one happen, Todd. Let's 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 make it happen. We've got some. Well, eventually we'll have some outdoor games and we'll have some heritage games and and we can we can get some support for the cowbell before those happen. Well, we'll we'll see if it happens. The good news is exhibition is wrapping up. The resumption of play is happening, and when we convene next, we'll be well into it. And I am super excited to see what happens. The Scouting the Rest podcast is powered by Team Stripes, your source for officiating equipment, training tools, apparel, and more. Check it out, goteamstripes.com. Be sure to subscribe to the Scouting the Refs podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Scouting the Refs, Instagram at Scouting the Refs, and visit scoutingtherefs.com. <laughs>